Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. joining us for another episode of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. Our guest this month is Eulis Kleckley. Eulis is currently the Executive Director of the Denver Department of Transportation and Infrastructure and has been named as the Incoming Director and CEO of Transportation and Public Works for Miami-Dade. He's also President of both the National Association of City Transportation Officials and the Colorado Chapter of the Conference of Minority Transportation Officials. Yulis, welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here and truly appreciate the opportunity to engage in a great conversation. So thanks. One of the things we want to talk about, obviously, is some urban transportation issues. Now, in addition to the work that you've been doing in Denver, you've also had positions in Houston and Washington, D.C. And given that experience, what do you see as some of the key transportation issues broadly affecting cities as we begin to recover from COVID-19? Yeah, it's a great question and a very timely question. And there's a couple of things that come to mind. First is that many cities were hit tremendously in terms of their budgets, their ability to deliver projects, programs, and services. I think many cities, since the pandemic occurred, were trying to figure out ways to try to decrease the impact on service delivery based off of a decrease in general revenues and the like. Um, there are many cities that ended up canceling projects, um, especially during the onset of the pandemic. And so I think there's got to be a recognition that cities are still trying to recover financially, not only just within the fact that they're trying to provide additional revenues and resources for their own city coffers, but also figuring out other ways to enhance their local economies to get people back to work and the like. So that's the first piece that many of us have had to deal with and grapple with. And now we're, we're kind of on the back end of those impacts and starting to get back to normal. But it's got to be a recognition that there's been some significant budget impacts that impacts project delivery and services. The next piece, I, I would say that what some of us have learned through this unfortunate circumstance is one, how to be much more nimble and rethink our streets and I can just give you some examples here in Denver. Uh, essentially, when we had stay-at-home orders in the city, county of Denver, it issued last June, last summer, uh, we ended up experiencing significant issues in terms of the amount of people that had a desire needed to get out from their homes to actually walk around and to be able to get some exercise and the like. And what we immediately saw is that many of our parks became jam-packed and did not allow people to really abide by the social distance orders that were given six feet apart and the like. And so essentially we got together as a department within a week, planned and designed and executed what we called our temporary recreational street program, where we ended up closing about seven and a half miles worth of streets and giving it back to the people and allowed through traffic, but really had the street designed in a manner to facilitate people walking and biking and rolling and being able to be socially distanced and safe and still be able to recreate and get out and enjoy the outdoors and keep their minds in the right mindset uh, through the pandemic. Uh, that was a program that was, that was extremely successful. We, we leveraged that to actually 
uh, move forward with a patio expansion program where we close more streets, where we had approximately 400 restaurants that were able to expand our patios and, and do outdoor dining to save those restaurant establishments at the same time to create safer environments for people to be able to get around from a mobility standpoint. So I, you know, those are the things that we learned through the pandemic mm-hmm. um, at the same time, figuring out ways to accelerate projects that we already had slated in, in terms of our budget and projects that were on our plans. We have a bond program here in Denver, over $900 million worth of bond projects. About half of that were dedicated toward transportation and mobility projects. We ended up adding an additional $400 million worth of mobility projects on top of the $1.2 billion capital program that we already had. And so we, right now, in the next three years, are planning to deliver $1.6 billion worth of capital projects. Many of those are going to be transportation mobility projects and things that have been slated to be built for decades. And now we're going to be able to do here in, in short order. You started with the city of Denver back in 2018, at the beginning of 2018, in fact. And at that time, it was the Department of Public Works. About a year later, you helped create the Department of Transportation and Infrastructure. And that helped usher in a new era of safety and mobility in the city. What were some of the key strategies that assisted your department when you were implementing those plans? Yeah, definitely. I appreciate the question. And just to level set a little bit, it was an interesting time to come into the department because there was already an indication that there was going to be this new uh, Department of Transportation. And it was announced by the mayor back in 2016. And so think about between that time Two years later, now you have somebody that was tasked to actually make the organization come to bear. And you can imagine some of the anxiety within some of the staff around what would that look like and how does the city help support this new focus on transportation and mobility? And so fundamentally, one of the things that I made sure I recognize is the fact that we had folks that were kind of in limbo a little bit and we needed to kind of step back a minute and really get back to basics. And when I say basics, to try to have the leadership as well as the rest of the staff within the department understand what the vision and what the purpose is to be for a department of transportation. And so we took folks through kind of a truncated design thinking exercise where we really stepped back and tried to understand who's our customer base, like who are we here to serve? And it's really the residents and the businesses of the city and county of Denver. And then what what are their mobility needs and what are their infrastructure or service needs that the department currently provides or perhaps not currently provide, but we should be providing as we move forward in the future. And so we really took the leadership through that process. And what came out of that is a clear understanding that we do some things well and other things we need to improve on. And so once you have that knowledge base as a foundational element, then the next step is, well, how do you set goals? How do you then end up reorganizing the staff and having the right divisions within the department to be able to help execute on those goals? How do you then reform your ability to deliver projects in a much more seamless and integrated fashion so you can quicken the pace of how you uh, get projects out on the street? And then how do you use all of the organizational structure to help really execute on delivering recommendations out of the plans that the city had already? You know, when I came on board, we, we helped to finish up the city's first ever transit plan that had $5 billion worth of recommendations and projects within that plan and tried to figure out how to advance that. We 
had our pedestrian and bicycle plan that we're trying to execute on. And then we had the uh, mayor's mobility action plan, which really set some fundamental visionary aspirational goals for mode shift, which is really trying to increase the amount of people walking, biking, and taking transit up to 30% of the traveling public to be able to use those types of modes, as opposed to the 73% of the people that had currently been using a single occupancy vehicle to be able to get around. So we had all the plans in place. We had some of the modal plans in place. Now it's, it's about having the organization to be able to execute on those plans. And you do that by doing what exactly what we did, which is get back to the basics, understand what our purpose is, understand how we can create a much more seamless approach to project delivery that leverages all of our assets in a right of way that we can control and then reestablish an organization that rips away what we call cylinders of excellence, which is really silos, rip away those, and then work better together to be able to deliver those projects, programs, and services for people that live here and work here in the city. And so we did that reorganization uh, within a year. We had to go actually go through a process to create a new Department of Transportation Infrastructure, which had to be voted on by the voters of Denver, which happened in uh, 2019. And then in 2020, uh, we became this new department that really has been excellent in terms of how we've executed on our way to deliver projects much quicker. And as an example of all of this, one of the things that we were stagnant upon when I first started was the ability to actually deliver bike projects uh, and the more difficult bike projects are kind of highly controversial within the city. There was an initial goal of having around 15 to 20 miles worth of bike lanes uh, on an annual basis that was in conjunction with our Vision Zero plan. Last year, we installed the highest number of bike lanes in Denver's history, where we did 40 miles worth of bike lanes within the city. The only way to do that was the way we did it to go back to reorganize and revision the entire department. And as a result, we did something that we have never done historically. And it's helping to not only create ways for people to be able to bike around the city much more safe, it has better and more positive impacts around safety as a whole, because a lot of our projects include intersection improvements and the like. And then it just helps facilitate from an infrastructure standpoint, people to be able to get out of their cars and navigate the city on bike. And so once you have that mindset and you have the organizational structure to support it, you can do some tremendous things. And we've accomplished that in our bike program. That's just one example. As we mentioned in the introduction, uh, you have your responsibilities there in the city and county of Denver. You're preparing for new responsibilities in Miami-Dade, but something else on your plate, you also serve as the president of the National Association of City Transportation Officials, NACTO, and I believe there are close to 90 North American cities and transportation agencies that are part of NACTO. Uh, How does NACTO facilitate collaboration Across all these different groups, I'm sure they all have some different priorities. And what are some of the key initiatives that NACTO is focused on at the moment? NACTO, I would say, is probably one of the more premier organizations around helping and supporting cities to rethink and implement the best designs for streets to be able to move people, regardless of the mode that they choose, in the safest and most efficient manner. It's a consortium of staff and directors from city transportation departments that are all dealing with the same issue. And I think it's going to be a organization that's going to be very instrumental moving forward, especially with the excitement that's happening at the national level around infrastructure and creating 
safer streets to move people in a more multimodal fashion. So it's a very, very important organization and one that has supported a ton of cities throughout the country and internationally as well. We have a couple of international cities involved. So the platform, however, is one that we're excited about. One, I would say that we are very interested in making sure that whatever infrastructure package that comes out from the federal government is one that really allows cities to have more control and ownership over direct federal funding so we can have the proper level of design and projects that can really help meet our multimodal goals. And so that's something that we've been really focusing on, leveraging existing funding programs, such as our block grant programs that existed, the um, mix of funding for transportation to increase that amount of block grant program funding that goes directly to cities to allow us to have more funding to deliver projects that, that are necessary for our neighborhoods and our, our residents. The second piece is something that it's more technical, but it's extremely important uh, that NACTO is involved and other cities are involved in this, which is really creating and improving and enhancing the MUTCD. And we call it kind of the notorious MUTCD, the Manual <laughs> for Uniform uh, traffic control devices. And it's, it's really the Bible for how uh, traffic engineers are to design streets and what types of uh, materials and the like that goes out into the streets to help facilitate traffic, bike traffic, pedestrian traffic and the like. And there's some things that we are really advocating for in terms of the rewrite for the MUTCD that really pivots the philosophy of that manual from vehicles to more bike pedestrian friendly types of design. And so everything from looking at ways that you can slow vehicles down, but not relying on the 85 percentile calculation that typically goes in setting speed limits for some of some of our uh, local roads to allowing more unique designs and using paint and other striping mechanisms to indicate that there's a clear distinction between where the vehicle should be and where people on bike or foot should be. That manual is going to be really critical to make sure that we, again, redesign our streets and make it much more safe and more efficient for all users involved. So you hear more about that. And then, of course, uh, you know, safety is, is always number one. So Vision Zero is something that the organization is very focused on and figuring out ways to uh, help cities develop not only their own Vision Zero plans, but to execute on those plans uh, most more efficiently. And the last piece I would say, and, and, and there's a whole platform for NACTO that's available for folks if you go to the NACTO website. But one, one thing we are uh, going to be focusing in on is the idea of equity. Uh, you know, last year was an interesting year. You had the pandemic and then you had a lot of the, I would say, um, social protests are occurring uh, because of what transpired with policing in the country and the like. It, it was an interesting time because it sparked a discussion that probably would not have happened if those types of uh, protests did not occur amongst the NACTO leadership and the cities that represent NACTO, which is what, what is a transportation department role in this focus on equity? I'd say here in Denver, what we've been doing is trying to, of course, acknowledge what what's happened in the past and some of those issues, but really start to look toward the future and how, how do you address and redress some of the historical uh, inequities that have occurred that have been a byproduct based off of transportation infrastructure, which traditionally has been used, unfortunately, to divide communities, 
and create separation. And now as, as migration patterns have occurred, you have more people living in the cities and now you're dealing with bad planning and design decisions that happened 50, 60, sometimes 70 years ago. So how do you not recreate that? And then two, how do you fix and retrofit the current infrastructure to reconnect neighborhoods? So these are things that we're talking about uh, here at NACTO, you know, the equity piece, which in my mind really is focused on asset management and trying to make sure you put the right level of investment into areas within the city, locations where the assets are in those areas of the city and the people in the areas of the city. If you invest in, invest in those three things, assets, areas, and people, and the ones that need the most help receive the most attention and most resources, that's really equity. And so we're, we're trying to figure out how to bake that in into uh, a lot of infrastructure uh, investment decisions and then help cities to leverage uh, taking things from an equity lens standpoint to make those proper investments moving forward. It's going to be something you're going to be hearing a lot more from NACTO, and it's going to be a, a great and really opportune time to advance those concepts moving forward. So it's a great organization and encourage people listening to really take time out. If you have not heard about NACTO, to go take a look at their website, look at the platform and help support those cities and help support the uh, NACTO leadership moving forward because it's going to be instrumental. And as if all the things that we've already talked about aren't enough to uh, make you tired just from hearing all the different responsibilities you have, there's still yet another hat that you wear. You serve as the uh, president for the Colorado chapter of the Conference of Minority Transportation Officials. Tell us a bit about some of the progress Comto is seeing today in terms of its mission, which includes growing employment diversity, inclusion, contracting opportunities for minorities across the transportation industry. Absolutely. And, and Comto has been around for uh, over 50 years now. It's, it's uh, again, a premier organization around targeting uh, minorities in the transportation industry to help optimize and maximize their employment opportunities and those uh, small minority and women-owned businesses that are in industry to try to figure out how they can get a greater piece of the economic pie here by participating in government contracts or, or otherwise. I would say that Comto is moving forward with establishing really good partnerships with organizations that they have not traditionally have had in the past, signing MOUs at a national level where Comto's vision really is starting to better align with some of the national organizations. And I would say it's happening on a national level. I think there was a MOU that was signed between uh, ASTO and Comto uh, most recently. But even it's happening on, on a local level uh, here in the Colorado chapter, we partnered with a organization called the Hispanic Contractors Coalition. With that partnership, we actually established a contractor academy, which allows training for small and minority and women-owned businesses to build their business and be more uh, attractive to prime contractors to be able to come in and serve as subcontractors in specific projects and particularly having opportunities to have enough acumen to actually prime contracts uh, that cities are putting out uh, in the transportation uh, and construction space. And so these are partnerships that we're building and the like. And that's one of the platforms that, that we've created at the Colorado, Comto Colorado chapter, um, which is based on kind of four pillars where we call it build pillar. We have an organized pillar, a learn pillar, and a earn pillar. And this, this all kind of came from a speech that Martin Luther King had back in 1967, where he was talking about building your life's blueprint. And it was very apropos at that time 
where he gave the speech in 67, where there's cities that were burning and there was social unrest. Same thing was happening last year when, when we kind of came in as a new administration for the chapter. And so we kind of let, we said, man, more things change, more things remain the same, but mm-hmm. the focus still should be on how do you create opportunities for minorities, individual professionals and businesses within the industry? And you can, you can accomplish that. So our build, organize, learn and earn platform is what we do at Compto Colorado. And really that's kind of spurred a lot of great partnerships that we've had locally. Uh, we provided uh, more opportunities to actually raise funds for youth to have an interest in transportation when they go to extracurricular or their uh, university studies that they can go in and eventually become leaders in the transportation industry. And then uh, again, we, we're continuously helping uh, small minority businesses to take more advantages of contractual opportunities within the local market. And so at the end of the day, these organizations that have an interest in equity and fairness and diversity and inclusion are all starting to align with Compto's mission. And it's just great to see these partnerships uh, beginning to establish themselves at the national level and at the local level. And, and uh, I just think that's the beginning of, of some great things that will move forward to, that will allow the country and a lot of our cities to create a better balance economically uh, within all people that happen to be residents within the city or, or actually live here in the country. So, so it's great to see and been great to be a part of it. As we noted, this summer, you're going to be going to Miami-Dade as the Director and CEO of Transportation and Public Works there for the city and county of Miami-Dade. What are some of the things you hope to accomplish in your new position? One, I would say I'm looking forward to the opportunity. This is another city that I get a chance to go in and not only learn about what the needs are, but hopefully help advance uh, some of the projects, programs, and services that are going to be necessary to meet the goals of that particular city. So I'm excited about the opportunity. It's always humbling to kind of be selected to come in and lead those types of organizations that can really help impact change and, and help uh, residents within an individual city. I, I would say Miami, it's interesting that there are uh, what I would say have some of the same challenges that Denver had, where you had some increases in population, you have a desire to have more transit options be available to folks you have a very high focus on transit down in Miami, and you have a lot of plans and some additional budget that might be available to be able to deliver on these unique projects. And so, you know, my goal going down there and is one, of course, trying to listen to figure out what some of the true kind of concerns are and challenges are, but really is to help deliver in a more effective manner the projects that are already being planned for, and hopefully to help create a a sophisticated transportation system that can meet the needs of the people that live in Miami-Dade County. And so um, that's exciting to me. And again, you cannot do that without having a strong organizational structure, the right culture and the right mindset, the right vision for organization to deliver on those projects. And you can't do it without having good staff and good people, right? And so I, I look forward to working with uh, the leadership down in the county and working with over 4,000 of the staff that actually a part of the Department of of Transportation and Public Works there to help deliver on a lot of the projects that are anticipated to make really a monumental change there for the residents in Miami. So there's a mobility uh, standpoint to that, but then there's also a focus on trying to electrify a lot of the transit fleet that exists there. So I'm excited about that and figure out ways that you can have more sustainability approaches to address some of the environmental concerns down in Miami. I think that's something that is, of course, paramount 
to, to the residents there, but also can be transferable throughout the country um, because uh, I think environmental impacts, concern with sustainability um, is something that is going to be a challenge and, and something that many cities are going to have to address moving forward. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it and looking forward to taking the experiences I have in Denver and everywhere else I've been <laughs> and, and applying it down there. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's going to be fun. And, uh, you know, you can't be Miami going from mountains to, to beaches, but both uh, very picturesque and beautiful and but just, just blessed out the opportunity. Well, we've been talking on this edition of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast with Ulysses Cleckley. He is the Executive Director of the Denver Department of Transportation and Infrastructure and the incoming Miami-Dade Director and CEO of Transportation and Public Works. Ulysses, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Definitely. Thank you. I appreciate all of the questions, and it's been a pleasure to have this conversation. So thank you very much.